Hello and welcome to this podcast about how the bakery industry can make small changes to their recipes to improve the health of their products, their customers and ultimately their business. I'm Joanne Burns, Reformulation for Health Manager at Food and Drink Federation Scotland. For those of you who may not know, Food and Drink Federation Scotland is an industry funded trade association representing food and drink businesses of all sizes, from Scottish family businesses through to global brands. We are a division of the UK Trade Association, the Food and Drink Federation. As Reformulation for Health Manager, I work to support Scottish SME food businesses to make their products healthier. And this includes all types of food businesses, including food service. And my support is open to all, not just FDF members. But before we begin, what is reformulation? Put simply, it's redevelopment of a product or recipe to make it healthier. This is really important as the Scottish population on average are consuming too much fat, salt and sugar and calories and not enough fibre and fruit and vegetables. So something in the picture isn't working. An ingredient um, supplier and developer working. Reformulation has been shown to be one of the most successful ways of improving dietary health and we offer free bespoke advice and guidance to the Scottish food and drink industry to allow businesses to make their recipes healthier. And I'm delighted to be joined today um, for our podcast by some key figures in the Scottish bakery industry. We have insights and input from Alistair Smith, Chief Executive of the Scottish Bakers, Ian McGee, Vice President at the Scottish Bakers and Technical Director of D. McGee & Sons Bakery, one of Scotland's largest family-owned bakers, and Danny Schroeder from Ulrich & Short, an ingredient um, supplier and developer. Now, as we start uh, 2021, consumers are focusing more on health and resolutions for the future, and added factors such as COVID reinforces the importance of health and wellbeing. Through this podcast, we want to inform bakers of how to start the reformulation journey, where to access help and support, and to familiarise you with alternative, innovative ingredients that can be used in bakery reformulation, so you're better equipped to use them in the future. So, Alistair, if you don't mind, can I start with you? Why do you think it's important for the bakery industry to make improvements to the health of some of their products? I think it's something that it's not just for the for the bakery in industry. I think the the the, the whole of the UK um, and food producers have have got an obligation to ensure that people can get the kind of um, nourishment that is that is going to keep them healthy. So it's not just something that falls on the shoulders of of, of the bakery industry. And you know, so yeah. so we would always contend that that um, first of all, the products that our members produce are all. Um, uh, crafted by by professionals, experienced people from humble, simple, natural ingredients, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the flip side, of course, is that uh, as a nation, we've seen the evidence that people are 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 getting larger. That's not good for health, and so I think the bakery sector itself has got to to accept that it needs to play its part. Fantastic, and I think you've you've really highlighted it there, Alistair, that. The food industry as a whole all needs to play its part. It's, it's certainly not down to the bakery industry. There's there's a whole host of changes and um, alterations that we can look at across all different types of food sectors. And for today, um, we'll just focus on bakery and, and look at how we can look at reformulation for that sector. OK, so Danny, as an ingredient supplier um, yourself to the bakery trade, what core ingredient would you recommend bakers um, tackle initially to ensure maximum impact on health? I think this, this largely depends on the manufacturer and what it is that they're looking for in the end as the, in the end product for the end result and if there's any marketing claims they're looking at achieving. 
we say for maximum impact on calorie reduction that we would recommend people to replace fat. And that has obviously the, the biggest impact then on overall calories um, in the product. Equally, sugar reduction has had a huge um, time in the spotlight recently. And we find a lot of people are coming to us for replacing sugar. Um, and I think there's certain targets that people are looking to achieve. And so to do that, again, they're looking at trying to reduce it bit by bit without impacting the flavor too much, but also it's the functionality in bakery products. So we find that they'll be looking at tackling sugar reduction in not just one component of it, so not just the sponge. They'll be looking at replacing sugar in the, the jam or the frosting or any decorations that are on the top to again, have a much bigger impact on the final health of the, the finished product. And then the other one, which is quite interesting is um, fortification. So using fibers and proteins to improve the health and to create more of, we've had a few people that have done work on like a breakfast muffin. So then they're looking at improving the, the nutritional profile of the product by adding um, some protein into it or some fiber and trying to give a healthier um, any time of the day type product that people can purchase and not feel guilty about. So it, it really does depend on what people are wanting to achieve and if there's anything they're looking to market at the end of it. In terms of emerging trends, I think we're, there's not a time when you open the newspaper or a magazine and don't see a headline to do with health. What do you see as a kind of emerging trends for health in the bakery sector over the last few years? I think what we've we've, we've seen is is um, perhaps more uh, diversion from what you might have seen as of traditional products. So 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 the Scottish traditional craft bakery range that you see today, in many cases, you would recognise that from from our own childhoods. I know that I do. But what we've seen coming in are are new product lines. So things like brownies and muffins are now much more commonly seen across product ranges and I think those are areas where perhaps younger customers are buying into those and there are greater opportunities to to um, have substitute ingredients within those so vegan brownies and things we're all we're all probably familiar with seeing uh, yeah I think it's about innovation in, in the range of products rather than necessarily changing what has been traditionally in place mm-hmm. uh, although there's room to, to to produce variants of that so yeah it's 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 interesting to see how that is changing very much so Ian do you have anything you want to say on changes in trends that you've maybe seen practically within your business yeah, well, I think Alistair certainly uh, touched on most of it over the years. I think you know, salts low, or lower salt has been in vogue for quite mm-hmm. a while. A lot of the, the recipes, I think, have gone as low as they can do. I think other things also to do with like allergen-free or limited mm-hmm. allergens in, in products, that's all important uh, to go with the, the sort of clean label aspect of, yeah. uh, of stuff that... that is wanted on the shelves. I think certainly with um, kind of health goals and trends, we actually carried out some recent research at the start of COVID, so in April of 2020, and we looked at what consumers were looking for when they went shopping. And it was fantastic to see that 89% of Scottish adults had a health goal. And when we actually asked them to break it down into what they looked for when they were shopping, it was fantastic to see that health claims were kind of top of the list. So things like lower reduced sugar products including one of your five a day reduced fat and things like clean label and lower fat increased fiber were the were the key ones that were coming out from our research so it's fantastic to hear that bakery as an industry are able to address some of these points and I think one of the challenges with with bakery is that you've got such a wide variety of products you've got Mm -hmm. both 
sweet products, you've got your kind of savoury pastry products, bread, bread ranges. So there's a lot of opportunities there to make small changes for health and when you're re- reviewing your food offerings. What would you say are the most exciting and promising new ingredients that are available for them to use that will have a, a, a maximum impact on their end products? We've got quite a few different products for so for sugar reduction, for example. Um, like I spoke about before, you would have different components that would have sugar in them already. So then you would be looking at different functionalities depending on what sugar is bringing into that, that particular component. So we'd have for a sponge, we'd have um, a product which is it's declared as wheat flour, but it's, it's basically to mimic the functionality of sugar in a cake. So it's giving the, the softness and the rise and the structure and the sponge. But if you were to put that into, say, the frosting or the jam, you're not going to get the same okay. result. You're, you're looking at different functionalities. So we'd have different products that work in different applications to give the particular functionalities for, for say, sugar replacement or fat replacement as well. One of the most recent ingredients we've added into the range is into our Overprox range, which is for egg replacement. So it's a product which is declared as faba bean protein and tapioca starch. And that's for replacing 100% of the egg in a bakery product. And again, it's for helping with the aeration and the structure, the rise and the softness that you would you'd get from eggs in, in a bakery product. Probably the, the most exciting ingredient that we've we've launched into, into bakery um, in the last few months. So that's something that's been quite high on the agenda when we'll be speaking to our bakery customers. Are there any practical implications for bakers swapping to using some of your um, clean label products in place of maybe sugars? So what we try to do when we're, repla- when we're looking at replacing ingredients, we look at what the process is already and trying to keep it as simple as possible. So normally what all our ingredients are dry powdered products. What we will try and do is you have those added in to other dry powdered products in the process and then they'd normally be used alongside water at a ratio a specific ratio um, and that additional water would then be added in with the water so the idea is that when you're replacing say sugar for example you're only replacing it with Avante and then water and then you're adding those in in exactly the same way that you would process it originally what would you say is the one of the easiest ranges or one of the most common ranges that people look to reformulate? Probably the, the salts. Up to a degree, it's it's quite easy to reformulate that. I also think the, the sort of the staple food is getting split up from the indulgent food. Mm-hmm. And it's the indulgent food has a, a lot more that you can you can save 10% sugar quite easily on a, a brownie. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than 10% on a, a morning roll. In, in terms of what customers are looking for or beginning to expect, are you having more requests for healthier options within any of your ranges? Yes, we are. To be honest, I think COVID has really kind of knocked it in the head, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but yes, there, there is a, a want, and that is being customer-driven. It yeah. is. It's a, and whether it's a, a retailer adding it up and, you know, promoting it on the shelves or food service, you know, by promoting it in more prominent places then. But yes, it is. And it has been customer driven now. I think certainly it's something that customers are almost expecting to see now that there's changes have been made to products. And I think as well, it's key to remember, especially for the bakery industry, that when we talk about reformulation, that can mean looking at higher fibre options and increasing vegetable content of products 
rather than just always looking at salt or fat or sugar. So there's there's a wide variety of different um, opportunities that can be used dependent on the range of products that you're you're considering making slightly healthier. In fact, some businesses that we've worked with in the past have simply looked at reducing portion size. Is there anything you'd like to say, Alistair, what key nutrients that you think bakers could focus on to improve the health of their products? Yeah, I think what Ian mentioned about the split between the staple products and the indulgences is a really important one just just, just mm-hmm. to, to, to cover um, with, within that context. So the, the, the staple products, um, you know, the, there are some adjustments that can be made to that. And mm-hmm. as Ian said, particularly um, in the savoury side of things with regard to salt and probably fats as well, to yeah. be fair. Uh, and, and, and so I think... Um, uh, we we can we, we can do a lot to to t- tighten up in some of the the, um, the the contents of these products, um, but also people still like we all love an indulgence, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you've mentioned already actually one of the ways in which an indulgence can be healthier is if it is smaller. So if you make your um, empire biscuit 15% smaller, then it is going to have 15% fewer calories and, and all of the the, the the harmful things that are in that are going to be less as well. Business-wise, actually, it's probably pretty good because you can probably get a decent margin out of reducing a portion size as well. Um, so so there are some some easy compromises to, to be made in some of those products. Um, so I think there is huge opportunity here. You know, with the, I think the thing that, you know, that, that, that perhaps has been a little bit of a tendency to be rather frightened of what this agenda mm-hmm. is all about. I think we, you know, we, all, we just need to look around, well, in any normal day when the high streets had people in them, um, mm-hmm. you, you could see that there is an issue uh, with, with the population and we need to, do need to do something about it. For, for bakers, um, yeah, I, I, I think there are, there are ways in which we can, we can continue to collaborate and, and support them to, to find alternatives. And a lot of the wholesale suppliers are, are, are doing actually a fantastic job in, in providing alternative ingredients as well, which are, mm-hmm. are low in sugar and fat and salt as well. So all of that works its way into the, into the, the, the food chain ultimately. Yeah, I think you summed it up really well there, Alistair. Um, I know certainly with some of the other sectors within the food and drink um, landscape in Scotland, what we've tried to do is maybe look for partnerships with some of the manufacturers because very often there's a handful of core ingredients that are used across a wide range of recipes. So yeah. sometimes if we can almost take a step back and work with um, some of the manufacturers and say, right, well, maybe if we look at the the pastry or the pastry shells and say, actually, could we reduce the fat or the salt? And then that has a knock-on implication on several products within that range or looking at yeah. different mixes where we could slightly tweak maybe some of the sugar contents, then that has a knock-on impact on a wide variety of recipes, which obviously um, has a much larger success rate than people having to reformulate each and every individual recipe. If we can if we can find easy wins within the industry, yeah. um, then I think that would be fantastic. And it'd be great to see some of that work moving forward. Certainly, I know that um, we did some work looking at consumers and looking at what they were looking for in terms of health products. And one thing that I really want to ensure to some of your memberships and to other food and drink businesses listening to the podcast from from different sectors is that the Scottish public are really behind it. So we've got it was slightly over two thirds of Scottish consumers believe that food companies should be doing something to help improve people's diets. But amazingly, 76 percent of Scottish adults indicate that their perception of a company would stay the same or improve if they knew it had reformulated their products. 
and 73% said they'd continue to buy the same amount or more from a company if they reformulated their product. So there's there's lots of benefits out there for businesses if they're thinking of making any changes. Most important things improving the health of their customers, but it does really seem to be that um, the Scottish public are bought into this. In terms of food service operations within bakers, do you see that as quite an opportunity for reformulation, whether it's maybe just looking at healthier sandwich fillings, better bread options, healthier soups? Do you think there's an opportunity there for bakers to consider looking at some of their their food service um, offers? Yeah, listen, I I think there has to be within that, um, particularly when when you're talking about that kind of wider supply um, of of product into food service, there are different levels of demand coming from from, from that Mm -hmm. network of businesses, um, uh, some of whom will be focusing on health aspects as a means of differentiating themselves from their competitors. Mm -hmm. So, of of course, I think think any any baker who's involved in in the food service trade, particularly after this, this um, this dreadful period, will be looking for new opportunities, both for their, their existing range, but if there are opportunities to, to exploit for, for new lower calorie, lower fat versions, then absolutely. Now, it's obviously been great. We've been talking about lots of opportunities and different areas where we could work in reformulation. But what do you think has been the biggest challenge that's been faced by the bakery sector when they've been considering reformulation up until now? For us, um, the most recent challenge that people have been looking at tackling is vegan bakery. Um, The more you're seeing in other sectors, um, you're seeing more and more people are wanting to go towards vegan in other sectors. So in terms of meat alternatives, ready meals, um, we've done quite a lot of work on that and different textural products, properties for the different products. But we also found in bakery and people wanting to replace egg and they're wanting to replace it with something that meets that vegan um, criteria. So we've got a couple of products that we've been working on for vegan uh, brownies and and cakes and muffins. And that's been technically quite a challenging ingredient to replace because it's it's such a key Mm. component. And we're finding more and more people are wanting to replace more, more than one ingredient as well. So you'd be looking at people wanting to work on both vegan and gluten-free to create this mm-hmm. ultimate free-from product um, that has no allergens and is completely <laughs> <laughs> suitable for anybody. And that is something that is surprisingly common in terms of when we're having, having inquiries is people looking to replace more than one allergen, um, which is quite a key ingredient in allergen in these particular products. So it's in development and some products are easier than others, but gluten-free vegan cake is definitely something that I think whoever cracks that. <laughs> My goodness, that does sound like quite a challenge. Um, Danny, if like, people may be wanting one product to tick many boxes. Something we've seen as a clean label ingredient supplier is that mm. clean label um, list of criteria has grown in the 20 years that Oregon Short has been around and six or seven years that I've been with the company as well, you see that list getting longer and longer every year as people want certain things to be omitted from a product to be seen as being healthy or sustainable or suitable for a wide range of consumers. And then it still has to taste good and last the shelf life as well. The the biggest challenge, market disruption is a big challenge you know if you put something out there that's not as good as the thing you put out last week then you're in big trouble so acceptance is a a big challenge it's also for you know put my my vice president a hat on also for smaller bakers prohibitive in the the technology that they 
are allowed to, to get or or can get because mm-hmm. um, it really has to be done at a higher level from the ingredient suppliers. Uh, you know, they're the ones with the, the reams of food technologists in mm-hmm. the, the, the back. Okay, that's good to hear because I think that's definitely something that we can work to support and to hopefully make some of these connections a bit better and a bit stronger, maybe some more practical guidance and support and the use of some of these ingredients and have you got anything else you want to say in terms of challenges to the industry? Yeah I think and it's picking up on, on a couple of things that Ian said as well just to illustrate it from some other member voices that, that, that I, I've heard over the over the years I've been in post. Um, I mean, change has got to be demand-led you know so, so, we, so we have to follow where the market is going and we see that there is a demand in, in, in certain quarters for, for healthier products even down to the to to, to an example I, I heard of where there was um, regular carrot cake and uh, gluten-free I can't well it was a, it was a lower fat sort of sugar-free carrot cake um, uh, and uh, that the the regular one continued to sell plus the other one didn't um, yeah. Uh, and and again, that boils down to what customers are coming in and, and looking for. You know, they're going into traditional bakers because they want a treat, really. Um, and they're probably not thinking all that much about health factors when they make that purchase. Yeah. So um, I think getting back to something we've, we've touched on probably already, the, the more we can do almost by stealth to change mm-hmm. some of the, the composition of these these products so that people actually don't really notice yeah. And, and and products aren't singled out as being healthy. Yes. Um, uh, um, uh, for, for, for the purposes of promotion, but actually they, they have an inherent um uh, they are they are they are they are less unhealthy than, than the previous yeah. versions. So um th- that I think is is something that would um help to bring about change in a way that, that is manageable for businesses because they can come they can come slowly up to speed with the different production mm-hmm. processes and, and, and mixes and ingredients and recipes and things and they can slowly but surely um, start to replace their traditional recipes with replacement recipes importantly without anybody really noticing the difference but all of, but but actually in terms of um, calorific content let's say their overall calorific content is coming down by 15 percent or whatever it happens to be um, so I, I, it, it just becomes the norm that, that things are are um, lower in fat and sugars um, yeah. and, and and salt, and so people don't really notice. So then it becomes not it becomes a non-issue. Then it, mm-hmm. it stops being something we need to keep speaking about because yes. across the whole of the food economy, things are healthier in general, and we hope that individuals' behaviour improves through other education um, um, initiatives. I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there, Alistair. I mean, I know I've, I worked with one business who had reformulated a chocolate cake and they had the exact same story where they, where they marketed it as um, a lower calorie chocolate cake on the counter. They didn't sell as much as they normally did. And when they took the sign away, yeah. mm. they started selling chocolate back to their traditional amounts. And I think that is something that is quite unique to the bakery industry because, as you say, it's the indulgence, it's the enjoyment of going out and getting something special that you maybe wouldn't have within your home. And that is, that's with reformulation, what, one thing that's quite key is that I don't want your businesses to be thinking, oh, we've got to start making 10 or 20 extra product lines and the extra burden that might be on a baker to do so. I would much rather that businesses considered, as Alistair said there, reformulating their existing recipes mm-hmm. and just making small gradual changes to those. It doesn't need to be whole new ranges or 
lower or light versions of mm. existing product lines or higher fiber versions of existing lines mm. because then all that's doing is splitting your your customer base yeah whereas if you can just gradually reformulate that core item then then that's the that's absolutely the ideal and that's definitely a business driver like we were talking about um consumers coming in and wanting healthier options and obviously lots of other drivers will include things like client requests and social responsibility and things like that are often kind of mm. some of the top drivers that businesses have Ian, do you have any examples of products that you've um, looked to make healthier for your community or for a business opportunity, such as the new schools regulations or client requests? Yes, uh, yeah, we've and we've done quite a bit bit of work on the uh, added fibre rules mm-hmm. um, for a local community uh, council, and it was successful. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got to say, uh, successful trials that we had with it, and we replaced a. Uh, quite a bit of the part with a high fiber part and uh, the the figures when we sent away for analysis were, were very very good. I think it's, it was that for the new schools regulations yeah. yeah I think for the bakery sector certainly the new food and drink and schools regulations have got quite a few targets that they need to meet whether it's in terms of sweet baked yeah. goods and also as you say for higher fiber bread options mm-hmm. as well. What I would like to say um, is for anyone listening to the podcast who's considering making change, we do have a reformulate challenge fund that's open until the 22nd of January. And I know that's quite tight um, in terms of turnaround. But if anyone is looking at making changes to meet the new schools regulations or any other reformulation aims that they've got to go onto our website and there's opportunity to gain some financial support for any businesses that are looking to reformulate any of their their core recipes so that that opportunity is there for anyone that is looking to reformulate at the moment. So over the last year it's really highlighted the importance of health and well-being um, within our communities and as local bakers your members Alistair will really have stepped up and helped support their communities throughout the challenge of the last 10-11 months. Have you noticed or do you expect to see an increase in demand for healthier products continuing post-Covid? Um, I, listen, I, th- I think it probably will continue. But one, one thing just to reflect on is that that we, we've of, of the new members that we've picked up over the last few months, quite a number of them have been operating in um, either uh, the, the, the kind of the allergen free space, yeah. um, vegan space as well. Yeah. So we're, we are getting inquiries and membership applications from what you might call non-traditional bakery businesses who are yeah. Who are already um, uh, pushing the envelope about what is possible um, with 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 new approaches, um, and and uh, one of those is, is an award-winning business producing um, uh, gluten-free uh, flatbreads from from coconut flour, for example. Oh, wow, uh, that's fantastic! So very interesting, very interesting business um, that, that I think has got a strong future. But yeah, we've we've seen a, a lot of vegan um, products coming across. Um, in our in our um, annual competition, which of course was 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 a, a cancelled, uh, we we cancelled last year. Um, before we cancelled it, we had a category for free from um, mm-hmm. and uh, and and uh, um, uh, vegan, and um, we had a, a really healthy slate of of submissions ready to ready for judging. So when we're able to 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 resume our competition process, we'll be looking at at that again, so that. 
I think you know it's important trade association that we do highlight those opportunities and celebrate the successes and um, where we where we can. So I would I can I can only see the interest um, for all that it's probably been subdued by by COVID and all the other pressures that we're facing, particularly in the business side of things. Um, once we start to see our liberties um, uh, opening up again, uh, I, I would hope we'd start to be able to see um, uh, a, a, another um, growth in demand for for some more variety and, and diversity. Fantastic. Um, now we we touched on um, the kind of health by stealth and gradual changes in terms of um, reformulating and the changes that are made behind the scenes to a product. Um, Ian, do you have any other kind of promotion or marketing tips that you think would help customers to try new products? If you were to give any advice to anyone listening? Uh, well, I think probably the, the biggest part of piece of advice that, that you don't put the neon sign up <laughs> about it. it. Really, and that is that if you're wanting to take the 10 or 15% sugar out of the product, don't tell anyone. Obviously, you have to do it in your label uh, declarations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but hopefully, that will then come as a, a nice, a pleasant surprise when the consumer turns the packet over and sees, you know, there's mm-hmm. not a red light, there's a an amber light or mm-hmm. green light. But I, I think that's really the, you know, there's obviously there's the social media sort of mm-hmm. things, and we do that uh, a lot and try and get things promoted through social media, but. It's easier having something indulgent in social media than a staple. <laughs> Put it yeah, that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah so. some, something exciting that grabs people at, people's attention, isn't it, whenever it's something on social media? And in terms of, um, obviously, Alistair, you were mentioning there about um, more kind of allergen aware products and gluten free and vegan and things like that. But in terms of core bakery products, do you see health claims or uh, calorie labelling as a step to look at in the future for some I, of your bakers? I, I think for a lot of our members that that would be perhaps a step too far. Obviously, if you go into a, one of the coffee shop chains, everything is labelled up with calorific mm-hmm. values. Um, I, 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 I suspect for some of our, or for the, the bulk of our craft bakers, um, mm-hmm. that's probably a, a, a little bit of a step too far. But um, you know what, what Ian mentioned about going out um, and 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 selling these products. Yeah, listen, don't don't put a big sticker on it saying um, healthy Empire biscuit. It's just an Empire biscuit. It just so happens yeah. that it's got 15% less sugar and and a little bit less um, fat content in it. Nobody really needs to know that. Um, yeah. Other than you know the the, the 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 manufacturer and I suppose the the regulatory authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, need to be satisfied that the, the the sector is playing its part to reduce the calorific load in, in products that are available. So listen, get, get the wins where you can um, yeah. in terms of reformulation. You know, you don't have to do everything at once. No. Um, you don't have to reformulate your entire product range overnight. You can take the time to to look at where the easy wins are, things that are a little bit harder to do. You can work with suppliers, work with yourselves. Um, sure. To, to find ways to reformulate it and over time I mean, this is a long-term project um but you know we i think we can look forward to to a future where that carol calorific load to call it that available in in in, in food purchased from from stores is has just reduced across the board but take it slowly um and and get the easy wins where you can and don't make too much of a big deal about it mm. um, uh, because a treat is still a treat even if it's got 15 percent less 
less sugar or, or if it's 15% smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I love, um, the, like we were talking about the, the thought of portion size reduction and you were talking about an empire biscuit there, Alistair. Maybe a wee bit less um, on top or a wee bit less jam in the middle. And that could make quite a change to the to the end calorie value of the product. Listen, as Ian well knows, Empire Biscuits are about my favourite product. <laughs> and and uh, I've, I've tasted a lot of different ones over the over the years in this post. And some of them are like dinner plates. And, yes. and listen, they're, they're, they're brilliant. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're fan- I love them. But it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really need to be that size to yeah. be enjoyable. The Geese ones are excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do yes. prefer a cherry rather than a little jelly jube jube. But that's a personal preference. Oh really? I'm a traditionalist. That is a serious point, you know. So you know that 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 just carefully looking at portion size actually is probably one of the easiest ways in which businesses can reduce the calorific content proportion. It's, just, it's such an easy win, and and in most cases, customers won't actually notice the difference. That's so true. Yeah. yeah. If I could just add, you know, if you go back to sort of post-war times, you know, I'm quite sure you go back and a, a scotch pie and beans would be, that would be your dinner. But nowadays you'd be more inclined to find two scotch pies and beans for someone's dinner. You know, it's, and some so, chips as well. And some chips, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, do you know what actually, um, what, what you're saying there in terms of kind of changes over the years, and I think earlier on we were in the podcast we were talking about kind of generations long family recipes and I think that heritage is really important to remember but like we we're just discussing there the consumers have changed over the generations yeah. Yeah. the recipes might not have yeah but the consumer expectations have both in terms of recipe and also in terms of portion size as you've just highlighted there Ian and I think that's you know, it's it's and I don't mean in this in any kind of trite or disrespectful way, but but fundamentally it's a people problem. That's not to say we don't accept we we've got a role to play and that we need to we we need to help um, address these issues. We are all in this together. You know, we're one yes. larger ecosystem. We all have a we all have a part to play. Um, and yeah. there is a problem, but we need to accept that that you know there are there are measures underway constantly to try and improve people's attitudes. Yeah. Um, but we also need to do our bit. A hundred percent. And that's it. There's 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 no product range. There's no ingredient. There's no recipe that will be demonised or should be demonised in reformulation. And dietary health, as you say, is such a holistic or requires such a holistic mm-hmm. answer to improve. It's everything from education, consumer information. There's 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 no there's no one size fits all answer. And as you say, as it's just everybody playing their part. Finally, summing up, if you could give one piece of advice to bakers or any other food businesses who are listening, what would it be if they were considering reformulation and looking at some of their recipes? My biggest advice would be to get in touch and understand um, exactly what ingredients are out there and the best way to utilise all the, the latest ingredients and technology into your new new recipes to make the process as simple as possible i i think when you're when you're actually doing the reformulation you have to find the tolerances and then you have to trial it and then trial it again and then once you've done that keep an eye on your wastage levels and keep an eye on your sales levels uh, and make sure it's working for you alistair do you have any advice if you to give anyone one piece of advice if they were thinking about it 
Yeah, I think, you know, Ian, Ian obviously from the kind of that, that technical side is really important. From my side, I would say, actually, it's start with the easy wins. Don't try and reach a gallop all of a sudden. Look at, look at, take advice, look at what you can change quite simply, quite easily without having to, to change too much about your production, your recipe, um, and, uh, and, and look at what you can do quickly and then take your time on your other products. Hopefully we've given you all some food for thought and I hope you find this podcast both interesting and useful. If you're thinking of dipping your toe into the warm waters of reformulation, then please remember that we are here to help and our reformulation support is absolutely free and open to all. Please look at the links on our website if you want to get in touch for more information um, about any part of our discussion today. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Food and Drink Federation Scotland. You can find out more about our work and if you're a food and drink business, how to join us at www.fdfscotland.org.uk.